This morning I invite you to open your Bible and look with me to the book of Philippians. But uh, before we do, I want to uh, look at the First Timothy passage. And we're talking about embracing the future. And um, in First Timothy chapter 6, it says, Instruct those who are enriched in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good reserve for the age to come so they may take hold of life that is real. Amen. We're talking about two ways to live your life. This Christian life can be lived a couple of different ways. I've known folks who live this Christian life and they live it taking for granted the cross of Christ. They actually eschew it because life for them is all about themselves, all about their desires, all about their opinion, all about their preferences, all about their ego. It gets hidden with superficial veneers of Christian language. But at the core, life's all about them. It shows itself in the way they live, the way they act, the way they respond to authority, the way they speak, the way they gossip, the way they talk, the way they can take something and turn it and make it all about them. And... We've all encountered people like that. I, 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 and we, we encounter them in our workplace. We encounter them in church. And it, it's all about them. It's all about me. It's all about myself. Whether somebody overlooked me or somebody didn't invite me or somebody did this or somebody changed a little something and you don't like it. And, and really below the surface of whatever the issue is, it's usually something else. But self is right at the core of it. And self, self is opposed to the cross. There's another way to live. And that, live, that way to live is I'm trying to die to myself. And I reckon myself to be dead to life, it all being about me. And that it's all about Jesus Christ, his fame, his name, his glory, his mission. And about how he wants to change me so that I look like him and live like him in this world. And it shows itself in the way they talk and in their attitude. And that talk is all about let's embrace the mission that he's called us to. And this isn't about me. It's about King Jesus. And it's about what God has called us to. These are two different ways of living it. And Paul writes about this. And look with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse number 17. Philippians three seventeen. Join in imitating me, brothers, 
Observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach, their belly. Their glory is their shame. And they're focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables to subject everything to himself. Amen. Father, may you read the, bless the reading of your word. And Father, I pray you teach us from your word today. Lord, may this not be about me or any one of us, but it might be about you. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want to say today, that in living two ways to live your Christ, your life, you can either live your life as an enemy of the cross of Christ or as a soldier of the cross of Christ. And I want us to, I, I want us to think about these two different ways to live your life. And of course, if we're going to embrace the future, it means that we as a church need to make this not about us, but all about Jesus and what he's called us to do in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, first of all, you can live as an enemy of the cross of Christ. And this is an immature, I want to change that slide, it's to an immature Christian life. Not a mature one, but immature Christian life. So we got the wrong word there. Not imitative, but it's immature, all right? For I've often told you, and now say again with tears. We're going to change that right now, I think. All right? With tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. There are many that live as enemies, he said. I, I, they're, 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 why would they be opposed to the cross of Christ? Why are they an enemy? What is it? What, first of all, what is he talking about? First, what is the cross of Christ? What's he mean by this? The people are opposed or enemies of the cross? Is he talking about that? Is he, is he talking about that? Is he talking about artwork? No. Is he talking about a piece of wood? Is he talking about an instrument of death? No, that's not what he's talking about. He said many people, they're not opposed to artwork. They're not opposed to a Roman cross. They're opposed to the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what they're opposed to. And the cross of Jesus, the cross of Jesus has implications on our life. We sing this song, a blend of an older hymn and a more modern under, uh, uh, application and an expression of the same hymn. It says, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss 
and pour contempt on all my pride. In that great hymn, we see, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and mercy meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Oh, the wondrous cross, oh, the wondrous cross bids me come and die that I might truly live. Oh, the wondrous cross, the wondrous cross. The cross of Jesus, when embraced, brings me to die to self and live for the one who died for me. It's not about me now. It's about him, his mission, his glory, his fame, his rulership, his lordship in my life. You see, the word of the cross has always been off-putting to the world and to immature, immature and unsanctified confessors of Christ. The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, Paul said. But to those of us who are being saved is the power of God. Amen. The cross of Christ. What is it? Hmm. First of all, these aren't in the slides, so you can take notes if you'd like to, but number one, the cross of Jesus Christ was the death of a righteous one for unrighteous ones. He was the just one dying for unjust ones so that he might bring us to God. The cross of Jesus Christ is not about self-promotion, but it's about self-dying. The cross of Jesus came. He died on the cross so that he might die for our sins and die the death that we deserve so that we might live and have eternal life. But there are many who are enemies of the cross. The cross is a sacrifice of the perfect for the sinful. The Bible says God demonstrated his own love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our part, that we might become the righteousness of Christ in him. The cross is God's work for us so that we might be saved. The perfect for the sinful. The cross of Jesus is about giving away life so others can find life. About losing your life and finding your life. Of a seed falling to the ground and dying. Why? So it, it might bring life. This is, this is what the cross is all about. The cross is a focus on the eternal and not the material. Not the temporal. The cross of Christ is about complete trust in God. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He died on the cross, trusting. Father, he said in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. He said in the very moment when he couldn't even sense or feel the Father's presence, 
he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus trusted the Father completely in the midst of his dying. And when we embrace the cross, we say, I don't live for me. I don't live for myself, but I live for the one who holds me, and that's my Father in heaven. Amen. And I'm willing to die and serve and give and love and be humble and not insecure because of the cross of Jesus Christ. But in this world, there are many enemies of the cross of Christ. The cross of Jesus was a place of surrender of your life so that Christ's life might be manifest in your life. Amen? Amen. And so, Paul could say, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Paul said, What breaks my heart, and with many tears, that many, many live as enemies of the cross. And the reason they're enemies is because when it's all about you in this world, it's not about Jesus. And you have set yourself up as an enemy of the cross of Christ. And Paul said, it breaks my heart. Mm. Verse number 19 says, look with me, their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, they're focused on earthly things. It's immaturity. It's an unsanctified life. Look with me, first point. You can live as an enemy of the cross of Christ, and it's an immature Christian life, and indeed it's a popular position. He said many, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. It's very popular. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12 says, We have the scripture. Okay. Proverbs chapter 14 tells us there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof leads only to death. You are going to have to do it the old-fashioned way today. You're going to have to get your Bible out and use it, all right? Now look with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7. Do you have your Bible? Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7. Notice in verse number 13. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad. That leads to what? Say it with me. To what? Destruction. And there are many who go through it. But how narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life. And few find it. Hmm. Secondly, it's a selfish way of life. Notice the very passage that we look at. And he says, 
Their God is their what? Stomach. Their God is their stomach, their belly, their own appetite, their own pleasures, their own agenda, their own desires. See, it's an arrogant way of life. Notice what he says. Their glory is their shame. The thing that they brag about or boast about in their life is to their very shame. They boast and brag and celebrate about things that aren't godly in their life. And he says all of that is to their shame. Bible tells us that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. But there are many who live shamelessly. Notice what the Bible says in 1 John. Do you have your Bible? Chapter 2. Look with me in verse number 16. It says, verse 15, do not love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's lifestyle, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does God's will remains forever. Amen. So we live in so often arrogance and pride and boastfulness about things that we think that really matter. But they don't matter. And the very things you glory in, yourself, your personality, your possessions, your popularity, I'm telling you, my friends, listen close. And I know this I know this is not a fun sermon, but I want want you to stay with me. Listen, I don't want to live my life all about Tim. I want it to live about Jesus. I dearly love Melissa Epperson. Melissa was humble. She was kind. She was genuine and faithful and loyal and true. And when I saw her as she lived her life, and for five years I watched her, she overcame great obstacles. And she would be frustrated with a disability she had in her life. But she never let it stop her one time. And she walked humbly. And there was a Christ-likeness in her. And there was a childish fun in her. And there was a winsome smile in her. And there was a joy to be in her presence. And, and, and she had a spirit that said, I, we can do this, Pastor. You tell me. We'll make it happen. Wow. And it wasn't just for me. She did it with others around her. What a great testimony of life. My friends, she didn't glory in herself. She gloried in Christ. Yes, she, we've all are sinners. But I saw in her. Listen, can I tell you something? I want you to listen real close. 
It's not how much of the Bible you know. I'm all about knowing about the Bible, and I read it all the time, and I love God's Word. It's not about doctrine, how much doctrine you know. And I love theology, and I study theology, and it helps me. It's not about church attendance. I'm fully a supporter of church attendance. It's not about how many dollars you give or how many jobs you hold. It's about whether or not the way you live your life, stay with me, looks like Jesus. And the way you relate is like Jesus. Because I'll tell you who's deep in their walk with Christ are those who've been transformed to look and live like Jesus in their life. That's the kind of church I want us to be. Embracing the future means that we're going to be living like Jesus in a broken, messed up world for his glory. Amen. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's a worldly way of life. Whenever you live for your stomach, you have your mind set on the world. Listen to what this passage says in Philippians. He says, I've often, he says, there are many who live as enemies of the cross. And notice he says, their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. And then he says, they are focused on what? Earthly things. Focused on earthly things. It's a worldly way of living. Look with me, if you will, to the book of James. James. In chapter number 4, verse 4. Adulteresses, do you know, know, not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Folks, this world isn't what we want to please. It's God. Amen? Amen. And these are the enemies of the cross. It's an arrogant way to live. It's a worldly way of live. Paul is writing to Timothy. It's very, he's in prison in Rome. It's the last days of his life. He said, you know, the time of my departure is at hand. He said, soon I'll be gone. I'll be with the Lord. He said, but there's waiting for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord will award to me in that day. He said, not only to me, but all who've loved his appearing." He says there in Timothy, 1 Timothy, he says, as you, uh, 2 Timothy, as he's writing to Tim, he said, all have left me. Demas has deserted me. Listen, because he loved this world. Only Luke is with me. When you come, Tim, bring John Mark. Because he'll be useful to me. In the last moments of Paul's life, what he said 
to the church at Philippi, he said to Tim, it's with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And in Timothy, he says, even Demas, my faithful companion, has deserted me because he loved this world. The enemy will try to lure you away from being a Christ follower to love this world and live for yourself. Let's embrace the future. Following Jesus Christ. It's a dead end, folks. He says their end is destruction. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, and that life abundant, full, and meaningful. Second point of this sermon today, we're going to hurry. Is you need to live, and we can live your life a different way to live it, and that as a soldier of the cross of Christ. Now look with me, if you will. But it says, they're focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Folks, listen to me. Our citizenship is in heaven. Not here. Not the stuff of here. This week I did a funeral early in the week, for Sophie Plants. A few of you here would know her. She was a faithful member of a sister church. Her son, Vince, attends here at Bethel. And I was glad to help with the funeral. I didn't know Sophie. Sophie's mom and dad were Ukrainian. And during the war, when their lives were... uh, in jeopardy in Ukraine, they were forced to marry one another and they then moved to North America and landed in Canada. And they had nothing but the clothes on their back and were given a piece of ground across Canada in Manitoba. And there in Manitoba, they worked to clear out brush and and ground to develop a farm. And Sophie was born into that home she became a Canadian resident. Resident. She worked on the farm. But God blessed her, and she met a man and married him, and he was in the horse business. And guess where they ended up? In Collinsville, Illinois. She lived her whole life here, and he happened to be a laborer, and he was working as a laborer out of the hall and he was working at a church, and he met some other Christians, and they witnessed to him, and he got saved, and his wife got saved, and his children got saved. And she and he became believers in Christ. But she never changed her citizenship from being Canadian and lived here all of her life, had a green card, And at the corner of her coffin this week was a Canadian, little Canadian flag standing there. Because she said, while I love the United States, 
I live in the United States. I raised my family in the United States. This is not my home. It's Canada. My friends, this is not your home. Our citizenship is in heaven, which we look forward to a Savior. Amen? Paul says, when you want to live the life as a soldier of the cross, imitate Jesus in your life. He said, listen, I want you to imitate me. And I'm imitating Christ. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 11. You can look that up. He says, listen, I want you to live your life. Be a follower of Jesus. And then secondly, live as a citizen of heaven. Notice in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 27 you have your Bible, look what it said, Paul said. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27. Just one thing, live your life in a worthy manner of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or absent, I will hear that you're standing firm with one spirit, one mind, side by side in the gospel. Listen, we're living as citizens of heaven, and we are his children and living for him. Thirdly, live expectantly. You live, and we are looking forward to a Savior, waiting for a Savior, longingly looking forward. How many of y'all believe Jesus Christ is coming again? Amen. I want to live for him. I want to expect him. I want to live looking forward to the come of a Savior. One time a teacher was teaching a group of boys and he said to the boys at this seminary, at school, Bible college, he said, how many of y'all believe in the literal personal return of Jesus Christ? They all raised their hand. He said, how many of y'all believe that Jesus is coming again for all of us? They raised their hand. He said, How many of y'all believe that he's coming today? Raise your hand. One of the guys said, no, I I don't think he's coming today. The teacher said, in the day that you think not, the Son of Man comes. Are you looking forward to his coming? Are you living for it? Then live steadfastly for the Lord, standing together, firm in the faith, of one mind, side by side, doing the work that God has called us to do. That's what it means to be steadfast. If you're, if you're a soldier of the cross of Christ, that means I want to live in unity with my brothers and sisters and do the work that God has called us to do. Amen. Disunity does not, disunity is not a fruit of the Spirit in your life. My time is done. 
I had so much more I wanted to say. And I don't know that I've effectively communicated much of anything today. I want to tell you this. This deal about the cross of Jesus isn't a fable. And it's not just a story. It's the thing that changed my life. Are you all with me? And it has implications. And I want to live my life to the glory of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be an enemy of the cross. I want to be a soldier of the cross of Christ. Some takeaways today. What's maturely living versus immaturity? Maturity is demonstrated in how you live, not what you say. Number two, living for self-gratification only brings emptiness and spiritual death. Number three, an earthly focus in life distorts the meaning of life. Isn't that true? Number four, living as Christ lived brings purpose to your life. Number five, living as a citizen of heaven changes my values, perspective. What's priority in your life? Number six, expecting and anticipating the coming of Jesus helps me prioritize how I live my life. And number seven, standing firm means standing together. Side by side, living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how we'll embrace the future together. Father, thank you for your word. It's true. It's powerful. Father, I ask you to forgive us for the many ways that we've lived as enemies of your cross. We've made it all about ourselves, not about you. Father, I pray you'd forgive us. We'd turn from our sin. Embrace the cross of Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus. Be soldiers of your cross. In Jesus' name, amen.